Welcome to Vesa Talks podcast. Uh, today I'm honored to have uh, a really, really amazing guest uh, with us, uh, Ashutosh Garg. And uh, Ashutosh hosts a very successful video and podcast series titled The Brand Called You, bringing the stories of successful entrepreneurs, professionals, and senior corporate leaders to thousands of listeners. A published author of eight best-selling books, he writes regularly for Times of India and Business World and can often be seen on national television panel discussions. Uh, Shutosh is also a mentor to several of India's most successful CEOs on strategic planning, succession planning, personal branding, as well as people and culture issues. Welcome. Thank you, Mario. Pleasure to be I'm, here. Absolutely. So the first thing that I want to say is that I think we have a friend in common, which is kind of amazing. Uh, mm -hmm. Gaurav Sek Sekri. GV, God, yeah, you know? yeah. of Sekri is a very good friend. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we're uh, we've been friends for about ten years, okay. and I told him that you're gonna be on the podcast, and uh, he was like, "Yes, he's a friend of mine." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's it's a very good friend through the YPO. We both. That's right, of... YPO. That's right. Yeah. 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 We actually met about ten years ago. He was in Vancouver. I was living mm -hmm. then in Vancouver. I'm currently mm -hmm. in uh, in Serbia, and mm -hmm. uh, he was uh, passing through, and we were part of, I believe, it was a small world or something. And he hit me up, and he's like, "Hey." Let's network. And we went for lunch and we got along so well that I took him for dinner and we have been friends uh, ever since. Wonderful. So uh, it's always oh, nice to have somebody in common, you know. Likewise. We were on holiday in Serbia three years ago. Really? Mm. Oh, amazing. Uh, were you uh, just uh, in Belgrade? My wife and I, we were just driving between in Croatia, Serbia, you know. So. Oh, amazing. That's wonderful. Well, that's really great. So um, I've, I've looked at all your accomplishments and, and everything mm -hmm. and... You know, there's so much that, uh, you know, the podcasts and, uh, and, and your experiences and your mentorship and everything, you know, that I didn't even write any questions. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> so I don't know where this is going to go, but, you know, I think having a, a, a nice chat about sure. life and business would be really nice. I yeah. think your wisdom is uh, infinite. And, uh, you know, maybe one of the things you can tell our listeners is, uh, you know, uh, where you uh, uh, are from obviously it's India, but uh, maybe what was your childhood like, and uh, you know what were your ambitions, and how did you get to be such an uh, you know outstanding member of society and a, and, and, a, and a known person? Okay, thank you, Mario. Thank you for inviting me. Um, it's always a pleasure to speak to a fellow podcaster. But you know, let me start by saying that you know I, I grew up in a middle class home in India. My father was a very, very uh, senior and decorated Brigadier General. Um, and therefore, we grew up in an army environment. We were three brothers. Um, you know, like you would see with most Indians, uh, education is the focus for every parent. And therefore, uh, you know, my father always used to tell us that um, I given the salaries that army officers used to have in those days, they said, he always said that I can give you fantastic education, I can give you fantastic values, but I don't think I will ever have enough wealth to leave behind. Um, as it so happens that he did uh, leave behind a lot of property, which became very valuable at later stage. Uh, so my own life was, uh, you know, on, on how, do one, how does one educate oneself? So I uh, was reasonably okay as, an, as, as a student. I went, I went in to do my business school in one of the top schools from India. And then I joined uh, 
uh, India Tobacco ITC Limited, uh, which, okay. is, uh, which was owned by which is owned by British American Tobacco. I spent 17 years with BAT uh, India, and uh, after that I moved on and I spent eight years running Asia for Lockheed Martin and Hughes uh, as you know in the, in the aerospace business, and then I became an entrepreneur and I founded India's second largest chain of pharmacies. So that's a quick uh, background about my own journey uh, and what I have done. Amazing. It's, uh, it's, it's, really, it's really cool to speak to somebody that has uh, so much experience in different facets of uh, business and entrepreneurship. What would you say was your favorite uh, project or favorite position and, uh, and why? You know, uh, it's very difficult to be able to uh, single out anything because I've done so many different things. Right. But I would say that one amazing journey that I had was when I decided to become an entrepreneur. Uh, I started my entrepreneurial journey when I was 46. Um, and I remember telling my wife and my children that I'm going to start a chain of pharmacies. Uh, and obviously, when you talk of a chain of pharmacies, you've got to start with one shop. So when I opened my first shop, uh, people used to wonder, what am I doing? Because I'd come out <laughs> of a very, very senior corporate career. And here I was with one shop standing behind the counter uh, trying to sell medicines. Uh, but that was an, a, a very, very fascinating journey that I had. And I would probably do it again uh, if, ever, if I got a chance again to do that. Because it taught me everything, you know, from a tremendous amount of humility to be able to clean uh, shop floors to dealing with uh, customers, to listening to customer complaints, to uh, handling a very, very large team of uh, employees, um, to really understanding what are the various challenges an entrepreneur has. Right. So I would say out of my whole journey, my last 14, 15 years as uh, the founder of India's second largest chain of pharmacies would probably be most exciting. Amazing. You know, it really speaks to the the fact that entrepreneurship or starting a business does not have to have anything to do with age as we know kfc with mm -hmm. the colonel i believe is 73 when he started or something crazy yeah. like that you know yeah. so it really gives uh, uh hope so to speak for people that mm -hmm. you know uh, always wanted to start a business and uh, you know delayed it until perhaps their kids were uh, old enough and had time to do it whatnot but it's i mean you're a true testament towards uh, somebody starting in their late 40s and mm -hmm. becoming successful. So uh, starting uh, a pharmacy in uh, in India would be something that it definitely sounds like a crazy journey. So you basically uh, opened one. You wanted to familiarize yourself with uh, the workings of uh, the ins and outs. And then how did you expand? Did you just uh, you know do one by one or did you, uh, did you use the no, franchise it was, model? It was, it was just very, very organic one by one. Okay. Um, you know, because that's the only way to grow the pharmacy business in India, uh, because it is uh, it is a very, very fragmented business. And I was probably the first or the second uh, individual to start a chain. Um, and we built it from a single store into over 250 stores Amazing. Um, over a period of uh, 10 or 12 years. So it was an amazing journey. Uh, no acquisitions involved, and these were all company-owned stores, no franchising at all. Right. And so basically, um, you uh, opened one after another. What, what gave you, a, call it a competitive advantage? Was it just that, you know, uh, India uh, having a great population needed more pharmacies? 
or was it that uh, you know you did something different? Well, you know, India has over eight hundred thousand pharmacies, so I don't wow. think I could say that India needed more pharmacies. <laughs> it is probably one of the most ubiquitous services that you can find in every nook and cranny of India. Um, one of the reasons that we wanted to position ourselves differently was that uh, then and even today, a very large number of medicines that are sold are, are not necessarily uh, the correct kind of medicines. Okay. So therefore, we took the platform of 100% reliability, uh, which was, I think, very critical and very important. And uh, the second thing was that uh, when, a, when, a, when a patient walks into any pharmacy, and if you go into the large American pharmacies, I'm sure you've experienced this, where if you go and ask for six items, the pharmacist will say he'll got four and doesn't have the balance too. And right. you come back later. Now, that's the same in virtually every pharmacy. Therefore, we said that uh, in, in, in the chain that I founded, it was critical to ensure that when a, when a patient or a customer walked in, with a prescription of six medicines, all six would be available or delivered within 30 minutes to them. Amazing. So there you go. There was your unique selling propositions, right? Correct. It's similar to Pizza Hut, uh, I don't know, 15 years ago when they said uh, uh, hot pizza delivered in 30 minutes or less yeah. or yeah, it's free. free. You, know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, one of the best, uh, you know, uh, USPs I've ever, I've ever seen in my life, you know. So that's, um, that's incredible. I mean, that's... Uh, uh, really, really interesting about how you can, you know, uh, penetrate a market that has 800,000 pharmacies and yet you mm -hmm. manage to grow it to over 200. That's really amazing. So then how did you get involved in the U.S. Uh, aerospace industry? I mean, this is quite uh, the departure of, uh, so this of was, verticals. This was before. This was well okay, before okay. Uh, my entrepreneurial journey. But after right. 16 years or 17 years with the British American Tobacco, uh, you know, I was one of the senior corporate leaders in, in Singapore. Okay. And uh, I guess in those days, I'm talking of 96 now. In those days, there weren't too many, uh, you know, corporate leaders who were of my age at that time. You know, 1996, I was 38, 39 years old. And, uh, you know, therefore, it was interesting to see people were reaching out to me for very, very diverse roles. And a role in aerospace was something that excited me. And therefore, I decided to take it up. I mean, there were enough and more opportunities available across multiple uh, areas. But I knew nothing about aerospace. And therefore, I said, let me learn a little more. Right. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's great to, uh, to learn and embark on journeys that are new. I know myself, I've started five business, five startups. Mm -hmm. And each one of them was basically... Hey, let's 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 make it happen. Let's learn as we go, and uh, you know, put in the hard work, and uh, you mm. know, work your uh, eighteen hours a day and whatnot. Uh, yeah. yeah, really, really interesting. So um, then, about uh, your podcast, a brand mm -hmm. called You. Uh, mm -hmm. When did you start that? And I see there's over eighteen hundred podcasts on that uh, mm. particular mm. platform. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. So I started this uh, podcast with the primary objective of giving back four years ago. I remember when I was 21, 22 years old, straight out of, out of an MBA, I was always looking for books of corporate leaders and very few books were available in those days. Today, thousands of books are available, but the young are not reading enough. Right. So therefore, I said, let me start conversations because uh, this is, you know, the world of the, the world of corporate leaders is a world that I know well. So I said, let me start having conversations. And... Um, 
this seems to have struck a chord amongst the young, um, which is why we get 125 to 150,000 views and listens every day. Amazing. Uh, across multiple platforms. Um, we were also experimenting uh, with, you know, what the young are now seeing, which are the equivalents of the TikTok one minute videos. Yep. Uh, so we started taking out one minute segments from, uh, you know, our recordings and posting them on TikTok's biggest competitor from India called Chingari. Mm-hmm. And there we get over 2 million visit- visitors per day. <laughs> Unbelievable. So, so we've just crossed uh, 314 million views uh, wow. on this single platform. Incredible. So that's how it started. It's got now it's acquired a life of its own. Um, I've got five other friends who have become hosts, uh, three in North America, one in uh, the Netherlands and one in uh, South India in a city called Bangalore. Yep. Um, many of them are YPO members like me. And therefore, you know, this has just become, or it has probably become one of the world's largest platforms for no- what we refer to as leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom. Incredible. That's how it started, and that's what we are doing there. Amazing, amazing. Congratulations. I mean, uh, I looked at it, and some of the guests, I mean, including uh, Vincente Fox, uh, former president of Mexico. Did you interview him? or I did. I oh, amazing. Well, what was that like? So, uh, you know, as a, as a fellow pot. Uh, cast host uh, what was it like to interview uh, 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 was he I'm not sure if he was a president at the time or it was former president but what yeah, was it like was to have a, he was uh, the former president uh, right. and I've been fortunate to talk to many 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 senior uh, you know leaders political leaders and corporate leaders of course um, what was fascinating to when when I spoke to President Fox was um, just the perspectives that a person of his stature uh, and his uh, level in the world is able to provide. You know, when you're the president of a country, no matter how big or small it is, your perspectives are about about the world, about the globe. And that is something which I found very, very fascinating about him. The other thing I found very fascinating about my conversation was with him was how easily he was able to talk about... uh, the areas where Indians have been very successful mm-hmm. uh, because of their understanding of technology and uh, how he felt that there's a lot of work to be done uh, with people uh, who are in Mexico, especially in the area of uh, information technology. Right. Incredible. I mean, I, I'm, I'm very familiar with Mexico. Uh, I used to live in San Diego for 10 years, and so mm-hmm. Mexico was very close. I have yeah. many close friends from Mexico, and uh, I spend a, a considerable amount of time in uh, Mexico City, uh, networking and whatnot, and yeah. I really love the culture. I love uh, their perspective. It's, it's a really rich country, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, uh, there's more to... I mean, there's more to any country that really just the media gives us. It's, it's the same with Serbia. It's the same with... Uh, uh, India and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So that brings me to the next perspective, and that is, yeah, you know, uh, I've been talking to a lot of people from the Middle East. Uh, a lot of uh, business owners uh, have been moving uh, headquarters to uh, Dubai, and mm-hmm. uh, and now uh, Saudi seems to be the the latest uh, craze. Um, I find that the Middle East has really uh, done the right thing in attracting uh, businesses and and thought leaders. Uh, opening up even crypto, which I think is fantastic. Um, how is India, in your opinion, positioning itself to grow 
uh, in terms of the next 10, 20, 30 years. I mean, the, the sheer number of people is, uh, is, is, is a huge yeah. asset, obviously, right? Yeah, um, the question is, uh, the Middle East, uh, Dubai, UAE, and also now Saudi, is uh, really uh, trying to attract the right type of uh, businesses and business leaders mm -hmm. and thought leaders, including crypto. Uh, how do you see India positioning itself in the next 10, 20, 30 years to compete with uh, this type of uh, um, crowd, so to speak? So, uh, Mario, uh, let me, you know, this is an area that I uh, have to write about quite often and I, uh, you know, talk about it quite a lot. Uh, the Middle East, whether it is Saudi Arabia or the UAE, uh, has a very, very close working relationship with India. And uh, I don't think this will ever be competition. There's a lot of complementarity between the, the UAE, Saudi Arabia and India. Um, look at it this way, that UAE uh, is such a powerful economy. And I've you know, not lived there, but I've gone, to, gone there God knows how many times in, in the 90s, uh, ITC used to, India Tobacco used to have a very large office that used to report to me when I used to live in Singapore. Um, I haven't traveled so much to Saudi Arabia, but I have some very, very close friends in Saudi Arabia. I've only been there a couple of times. I think both these economies are, are, are amazing opportunities for a lot of people from India to go and work. Uh, there is a lot of money available in these economies and therefore they are putting serious money into, into India. I know, I know that the, I think, uh, Saudi, Saudi uh, government has committed, and I could be wrong with these numbers, but I'm just putting some numbers sure. uh, uh, with, with a caveat that this could be uh, you know, a little different. But I'm told that uh, up, uh, upwards of $100 billion worth of investments are likely to come from Saudi Arabia into India, and upwards of $75 billion is likely to come as investments from UAE into India. Now, Amazing. when we look at these kind of things, uh, UAE and uh, Saudi Arabia will undoubtedly have extremely good infrastructure, but they will rely on the massive market that India has to offer. Right. India has a population of 1.4 billion people uh, with a middle class, uh, you know, exceeding 500 or 600 million people. And therefore, uh, a lot of Indian companies may set up offices, may set up some manufacturing facilities or trading facilities in both these countries. But the market, whether it's for uh, Indian businessmen, uh, UAE or Saudi businessmen, or for that matter, businessmen from any other country who are looking at India, uh, the market will be in India. So I don't see any challenge. Um, on the other hand, I do see India, India, which is the fifth largest economy in the world today, uh, expected to be the third largest economy in the, by in the next three or four years time. Um, and then it's going to be, you know, how India will grow in comparison to the U.S. and China. Right. So these are three major economies and most countries in the world are looking at India as a potential market for their goods and services. Amazing. Yeah, that's really, really interesting. I mean, I, I know I've dealt in the tech sector for, you know, 15 years now, 20 years now. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Bangalore obviously is a big uh, tech center and everything. So I'm quite aware of it. How would you say a company such as, for example, uh, Veza Digital, which uh, I am a, a business advisor uh, for and I do the podcast, mm -hmm. um, uh, having, you know, we have over 60 employees now. We're growing at a rapid rate. Uh, we're going to be uh, expanding into uh, Dubai as well. And mm -hmm. uh, how would you recommend a company uh, that does digital uh, advertising and digital assets 
would position itself to uh, be able to, uh, you know, conduct business in India, for example. So is that something that uh, is there like a, you know, a playbook or what, what would you recommend a company, a, you know, a mid-sized company like us would, uh, would, uh, would uh, have to do? So my own uh, quick response to you is that India is a market that is welcoming uh, all technology companies. Um, we have technology companies from all over the world that have started to make a base here for two simple reasons. Number one, we have a very large talent uh, base, a tech, tech, technology talented base, uh, which can very easily adapt to uh, whatever you uh, your technology needs may be. Uh, I would be surprised if uh, within Veza Digital, you already don't have several people of Indian origin working on your technology. Um, the second part is that whatever goods and services that Veza Digital has to offer, you will have a ready market for it. And uh, it has often been said for Indian companies and for Indian uh, leaders that they are always willing to experiment with something new. Once they are convinced it will be good for them, they're always willing to uh, jump a whole generation of technology to right. make sure that... Uh, uh, you know, their, their organization, their people have access to whatever is the most contemporary and whatever is the latest. Right. No, makes sense. I mean, uh, we don't have any uh, uh, Indian uh, uh, working for us. Uh, most of our mm -hmm. uh, uh, IT infrastructure is actually in Serbia. Uh, it's quite mm -hmm. large here as well. But uh, yeah. we are looking at expansions. And so that's really, really good advice. Um, so mm -hmm. I want to switch topics a little bit. And that is, uh, I know that you've written eight books and mm -hmm. uh, that, uh, you know, usually when uh, you become successful and you go through several, uh, you know, ups and downs, you get into your 50s and uh, you change your priorities uh, into a more, call it spiritual realm. And uh, mm -hmm. you start questioning uh, what all this money is for. <laughs> and uh, you basically uh, start uh, reinventing yourself in a way. Uh, so I imagine that you have gone through this process or maybe uh, you're going mm -hmm. through it now. I'm not sure. What are some of the uh, wisdoms that you uh, can, uh, you know, uh, entertain us with, so to speak? Well, uh, you know, it's difficult to be able to summarize uh, anything uh, you know, about wisdom. But uh, let me give you one or two interesting thoughts that I have. And I've often said about said this to many, many people. And you're absolutely right. I'm, I'm 66 years old. And many, many years ago, I started to say that, why do I need uh, a one more zero added to my net worth? Yep. Uh, I can still only eat so much and I can still only enjoy so much whiskey, but I can't uh, <laughs> you know, keep on uh, splurging money. Right. So one thing I tell a lot of young people is... Uh, uh, Stop starting, start finishing. You know, I think it's very important. We love to keep on doing many, 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 many new things, but we don't necessarily uh, look at how we are going to see whatever we started to its logical conclusion. I think that's right. a very important factor that I would uh, you know, uh, recommend to everybody else, you know, and whoever, I mean, I, that's how I've also believed in it. Uh, and along with it, I also keep saying that it's important to be very, very consistent in whatever you are doing. Um, you're a podcaster. I have met so many podcasters who say, oh, we started uh, a podcast 
Uh, we did 20 of them and then we stopped for six, six months. And then, uh, you know, we restarted. So uh, I think when you are working with people who are, you know, listening to you, who are talking to you, or if you're doing uh, any other kind of thing, it's important to be consistent and keep going on um, delivering whatever you have committed to do. The second, uh, or the second point is that I was, you know, and this would be a very philosophical kind of a question that uh, life is hard. Life is hard for everybody, irrespective of how young or old, how wealthy or not so wealthy you may be. But um, it is very, very important for each one of us to focus on our own journey rather than continuously keep looking at what someone else has. Because uh, when you keep looking at what someone else has and not uh, look at what you have, um, there is bound to be a lot of frustration. Um, and therefore, you know, I, th I think that's a very important factor for us to keep at the back of our mind. Um, and I would finally say that, you know, whatever we keep doing, whatever we keep thinking, whatever we keep on uh, dreaming about, it is very, very important to be able to make sure that uh, um, our path, whatever path we are taking, it, that does not determine our future. We just have to keep on uh, betting on ourselves. We've got to make sure that whatever we are doing, uh, we are creating opportunities for ourselves and we are constantly reinventing ourselves and constantly learning more and more. Absolutely. I agree with you. Um, you know, it's, it's about being uh, mindful and present. And I'm also a student of Deepak Chopra, which, uh, you know, uh, uh -huh. is, um, amazing wisdom. And uh, it's, it, it yeah. is about really enjoying the journey as much as it sounds like a cliche. Uh, I continuously have to pull myself into the present to be able to enjoy really today rather than thinking about tomorrow. And as an entrepreneur, you're always thinking about tomorrow mm -hmm. and then, you know, uh, it, you don't enjoy it. And, and, and I think that's a really uh, difficult process. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I, I saw that you like Indian classical music. I, I've never heard of Indian mm -hmm. classical music. <laughs> I'm very familiar with, uh, you know, the, the European classical music. But tell us a little bit about uh, Indian classical music and why you are... Uh, or how you got to uh, well, have an interest I, I, in that? I would, say, I would say, like a lot of things from India, Indian classical music is probably older than the West ever thought about music. <laughs> it is thousands and thousands of years old. Wow. It is the same seven notes that are there in every other form of music. But it's a part of, uh, of Indian culture. Uh, and it's been there for thousands of years from all our old scriptures, so Indian classical music has been there uh, for forever. Uh, I play the, the Indian uh, flute, um, which uh, I've been playing for several years. Um, and when I say the Indian flute, it is just a small bamboo uh, uh, flute with uh, six holes in it. Um, okay. And, I, and that's what I play. So it gives me a lot of satisfaction. It gives me a lot of time to introspect. And it gives me a lot of time to be with myself when I'm uh, you know, alone with my flute. It's also a simple instrument from the perspective of carrying it around because it fits into every any suitcase or any bag. Right. Uh, you don't need any, any accompaniments. And you know, so in classical music is something which you can keep on going and you, know, you, you, 
can speak for hours and hours and hours on the multiple formats of Indian classical music or the multiple kinds of notes that you can do, how changing one small note actually creates what you would call a new rag. So there, there, are, there are many, many different aspects of Indian classical music. Very interesting. I love it. I played uh, uh, the organ uh, when I was a kid. Actually, my grandfather, uh, who, uh, who was Russian and uh, emigrated to Serbia in 1917-18, he uh, basically taught himself every instrument there is in this world. And he taught mm -hmm. me a lot of things about instruments, and I, uh, that's why I, I like the question. So finally, uh, my last question to you is mm -hmm. uh, a question that I ask every guest, and that is, if uh, you were in my shoes and you... Uh, asked a question to yourself that I didn't ask, what would that be? Uh, I would probably say that how important has your family been to you uh, okay. in, your, in your journey? And let me give you a response to that. I mean, I think uh, my wife's an academician, uh, probably one of the senior most IB teachers in the country. We have two sons. Uh, both our sons are senior corporate leaders in Singapore and uh, USA, one with Visa Corporation, the other with Procter & Gamble. And we've just had a granddaughter. So oh, I think- Congratulations. For, 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 thank you. For most of us, for, and certainly from my perspective, uh, everything that I do, everything that I work for, everything that gives me joy is ultimately the strong values that my family has, the strong bonds that my family has. And uh, for me, every time I try something new, it is, I know that I will always have the amazing support of all my family. Fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Great words of wisdom. I think family is very important. One of the reasons that I moved back to my uh, birthplace, even though I'd never lived in Serbia or Eastern Europe, mm -hmm. is the, the traditional values and the family values that uh, seem to be getting lost in the Western world. So thank you very much. I really appreciate talking to you. Thank you for your time. And hopefully we get to meet uh, and have a whiskey uh, with GV. <laughs> Absolutely. Look forward to that. Thank, thank you, you very again. much.